So hi everyone, we're back and this is our final instalment of Ogre in Conversation With and today we're sitting down with Uchtaran Fianna Fáil, Michal Martin TD. So Michal, how are you? I'm very good, not too bad at all. Uh, in Leinster House, um, working uh, in terms of uh, engaging with lots of people uh, over COVID-19, many different groups, uh, third level sector in particular, uh, small businesses, uh, development forums, um, individuals, lots and lots of issues arising from the lockdown itself, but also from reopening society and the economy. And the um, the big story is economic recovery from all of those engagements. Absolutely, it's a busy time. So, Michal, I suppose you were first elected to Core Corporation back in 1985, and then in 1987 you ran in your first general election. Um, and you were unsuccessful the first time, but then in 1999, 1989, you were first uh, elected to Dáil Éireann for Cork South Central. And then you first entered cabinet in 1997. And in your, during that time, you held four uh, senior ministries, including education and foreign affairs. And then in 2011, you became leader of the Fianna Fáil party. And now you're just coming off your eighth general election campaign and over 30 years of uh, service to the, to the people. So safe to say a lot has happened in that time. Uh, an awful lot has happened, uh, obviously, and it's gone very fast. Uh, and um, I mean, one thing I would say to, to, to young people who might be contemplating a political career is it doesn't happen logically or sequentially in the sense that it's not ordained. Uh, I never thought I would be a politician. Um, I started out uh, wanting to be a history teacher, uh, particularly midway through third level. I suppose our family were always very political. I have to say my grandparents on my maternal side were founding members of Fianna Fáil from East Cork and were involved in the War of Independence. On my father's side, his parents died young. He became a devil era follower. His brothers went to Great Britain, fought in World War II, one supported the Tory party, one supported the communists, and one supported the Labour party in Britain. So, <laughs> fairly diverse family. But public affairs and current affairs were stuff at home and listening to the news and all of that. We'd only one channel at the time, was RT News. Mm. Uh, and in school, I just, when I look back, I was involved in debating and fighting the corner in various classrooms. And one teacher, Mr. Lamb, gave me I think great education how to produce radio programs. So without knowing it, perhaps I was developing skills and learning how to, you know, I did a program around the world in 15 minutes and all this kind of thing. Um, and so just very quickly on 87 and 88, just to, I, I didn't think I'd get elected in 1989. Mm. Uh, I lost in 87. I was still doing my master's degree. It was a long thesis. At that time it was just pure thesis. It's going on for years. <laughs> and I actually started working on the thesis again. Uh, between 87 and 89 again trying to get it finished and all of that and um, Charles Hawley was teacher at the time mm. there was a members vote vote last it was a very successful minority government between 87 and 89 polls were very good he was urged to try and uh, take advantage of the good polls went to the country people said no no it's a grab for power and, and lost seats I got elected and <laughs> I, I ran thinking I would increase my first preference share because I just mm. we had put a deposit on the house. We were, we were engaged in 1989. Jude got married in 1990. Mary was working at headquarters. She wasn't at all enthused about me running. Didn't think we could afford it. Uh, and I said, look, I need to keep my profile up. And I got elected. The point being, there is not just time that's perfect or optimal. You got to yeah. see the moment and go for it. Absolutely. So I suppose just rolling back from that, what was your 
earliest political memory? Um, thinking about that, uh, I have a vague, vague child, childhood memory. Of, it must be the 1969 general election, okay, or around that time. And I'm playing soccer in O'Connell Crescent in Turner's Cross. There's a bread van comes down, and he has back Jack stickers on it. Or Jack Lynch was the leader, Corkman, of course, and Fianna Fáil campaign did personalize him around Jack because he was a very popular individual, being a, an iconic sportsman. He was the only person to win six All-Irelands in a row, five hurling and one football. My father was played football with him, very friendly with him. So, so that's the earliest memory. Brilliant. So I suppose then we know you were uh, a member of the John O'Malley Common down in UCC. So you were in Ogre, like so, so many young people still are today. Um, so I suppose, did you, you had that experience and, and you were a member of the party. Um, did you know then that you, that you absolutely wanted to run for election or did it come later? Now you were elected when you were quite young, but. No, I didn't at all. Uh, you, you know, I would, I would have come from a background that that notion of one of the family being a public representative was not on the agenda. Mm. I was forced to go to college uh, from my family, so that was a big deal in itself. And the idea, like I was interested in Fianna Fáil and politics, and, and studying history, there is a strong correlation between history and politics, and I did Irish and did English and archaeology in first year. I'll tell you, one of the first lessons I learned was from a bunch of engineers in UCC, <laughs> Uh, who decided to infiltrate the Dunhamalley Common had lay dormant. It was, there was no common there when we came in in, in, in 78, 78, 78, here. Uh, and so we tried to resurrect it, a group of us. The engineers infiltrated the first meeting and voted themselves into office. <laughs> <laughs> All of us were out of office for about a year of the Dunhamalley Common. That, that common that happened. So it's very important to get Thank them. Some of them came to the ward. There was a brilliant youth conference in Gardnery in Waterford, actually. And I went along for that. That was fabulous. I really just had a great crack at that. Uh, and it was a very strong social dimension to over that time. The crack mm. was mighty. Uh, and um, that was really the first. And then we ran a very good common, if I say so. You know, it was a controversial common. We did things. There was three general elections during that period, 1981-82 period. Uh, um, and we were in the North Central constituency, so we were involved in the campaigns of the of Dennis Lyons and Dan Wallace at the time, and they wined and dined us students to get our votes for convention, and it was great fun all together, and we found out the nooks and crannies of Cork North Central. Um, some, some of the common went to Dublin, campaigned for Sheila de Valera at the time, because some of them were enthused by Sheila's politics and so on like that, and her views and things, and um, scats really, but it was a very vibrant common. I became chairman then, uh, and um, again, I didn't think I'd be a public rep, but something was driving me clearly because I become the monster rep on the national executive. I got elected at the Malahide Youth Conference, um, subsequently, not sure what year that was, um, and um, Mary, my wife-to-be, then joined the common, uh, different background, but I didn't know her at all, um, and that's how we got to know each other, um, uh, and um, the rest is history. As they Absolutely. say. Absolutely. Uh, so um, that was, that's, but I think what happened was um, when I was coming to the end of my HDIP, um, and I think I'd finished the HDIP, I'd been teaching for a year, sorry, yeah, and an individual came to me, um, Barrister, and said to me, Look, we think you'd be a good public representative in, in, in the locality. Your father's very well known, he was a, he was a former boxer, mm. bus driver, strong personality, well known. 
popular uh, and we think you could do it you know uh, and um, so that was the first time that I thought of becoming yeah. a publisher 1983 probably 84 84 probably uh, so I suppose Michal just on that then how you know, you went from being the chairman of uh, a common down in, in a college down in Cork to being Uthra on Fianna Fáil. So I suppose, I, I know it's it's very hard to go through all of that, but like, how did you get from there to where you are now? You know, there's a general population out there that sometimes party members may not, you know, obviously those rooted in experience are, um, that they're there to be one irrespective of issues or whatever and the, by dint of your community engagement and work on the ground that's a very important thing and hard work to me uh, is, is is the uh, is the no-brainer when it comes to um, if you like winning elections and having a successful political career some will be fortunate maybe an issue arises and they grab the issue or some will be fortunate in terms of particular time um, but fundamentally, I think to maintain and to engage in politics for a lengthy period of time involves very hard work. Simple as that. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So I suppose then we all know that uh, politics can be um, difficult in many ways, but it, it does affect your personal life. And like you say, uh, when you were first elected to uh, the Dáil, you were engaged uh, to your wife Mary, and you got married a year later, and. I suppose how down through the years um, you started a life and a political life at this, your personal and your political at the same time. So how how did you manage that, the two of you together? I think it was very difficult. Um, Mary was uh, worked in headquarters. Mm. When she, left, she, she was recruited by Pinafile. Not you know at the time I was a nobody. Be straight up about it. And Mary was asked. I think Frank Fahey would have asked her. That he, he saw her at work as a secretary of Finnefoil. She organized tours. She was a very effective secretary of the Common in UCC. And out of that, she was interviewed and asked, Would she become national youth officer? Uh, and as I say, so myself, I think she had a very effective time as national youth officer. Uh, so she was in Dublin when I was elected in 1985. You know, she, she would have heard about the campaign as such, it wasn't that it couldn't be involved in it, but she was helping the national campaign. Um, and uh, so Mary understood politics. And Mary understood the demands of politics. And so that was the essence for us. And in many ways, was the key to, if you like, as a married couple and as a partnership, that we could get through this. I think it must be very challenging if a person is not involved in, you know, in politics or doesn't understand the fact that, yeah, you have to be out at meetings, you know, nights. There's not just a thing as day and night in politics. It's, mm. It all flows in. Uh, and Mary would still be. <laughs> out for things locally in the constituency and she has a phenomenal memory uh, she would be better at connecting and networking families who's who all of that uh, and is very conscientious so wants to see you know was that person dealt with last week that came in did you make the phone call and you need to make that call and, and so on like that so it's, it's very much been a team based approach and a partnership approach when the kids came along you get more jealous of your time and you know you do have some regrets I, I my clinics on a Saturday would go to six o'clock uh, yeah. when I was very young at the time, uh, you know, nowadays I'm a more, you know, I do clinics on Monday, Friday, I'm a bit more managed, I manage the time differently and I go out on Saturdays and meet people in markets and things like that. So mm. you can use your time a bit more usefully and cleverly than maybe. On the other hand, you, the clinics were invaluable in terms of giving you an insight into problems and challenges that people are facing on the ground, but also an insight into how the system is failing people in different areas. So I have a great leader in the clinic system 
and getting the problems firsthand from people and their frustration and their anger and shedding a light on how what you think is a good policy and how it's actually impacting on the ground and so on. You know? So that's how it's worked so far. I think the kids seem to be okay. I mean, Holly would have been, uh, was born when I literally months later was appointed to the front bench. And I suppose myself, Mary, the type of people who throw everything in, you know, and full on if I'm a public grant. And, uh, so, but he seems to have, you know, coped with it. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, there was moments, I always remember he hated me putting on a suit when he was a, when he was a small guy, a baby, like he just hated the suit. He knew the suit meant I'm heading off somewhere, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thing. But I think sport has helped. The, I mentioned the Nemo Rangers thing, the soccer with College Corinthians, the hockey that they played in, 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 in Larry Duffin, the UCC, and that kind of has has helped keep the family unit intact and so on and um, you know and they know they're all breathing politics I mean I was thinking about mm-hmm. just the last general election the three of them like Killian and Ava and, and, and they all were all canvassing knocking doors uh, yeah. and uh, they were so I mean I could see in the content so I thought, you know, obviously they were disappointed with the outcome nationally uh, but they've got the bogus things in terms of their interests not what that we're going mm-hmm. for like that but I suppose it's two, it's two tier for them as well, though, for the first part, they are, they're members of the party, but at the same time, like, you're their dad, and so it's great to see that they are out, you know, knocking on the doors and the, and the photos of you all going to vote together, so it's obviously something that, that has become a bond rather than a divider for you. That's a very good way of putting it, and I think that's exactly what has happened. Uh, yeah. That's exactly what has happened. It, 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 I, I felt that during this election, more than it became a bond. Uh, and they were, I mean, they, they would know every candidate in the country. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and they'd know every count. And, and they were calculating how the transfers would go. Um, and um, so there you are. You know, so. Absolutely. So I suppose um, then going from being dad and then you go into the office and uh, being the leader of a major political party. Let's tell you funny, uh, when, go on. When, what election was it? Um, it was the 19... I think the 1990, um, sorry, the 2002 election, I think. Mm. Um, we, were, we were going for three seats in South Central. We had three seats going into it. And in the end, Cathy Stinnett in the first count had beaten John Denny, I think, by two or three votes. So we ordered a recount. And, and Corsi, the Irish language program at the time, was doing a, a program thinking it was the end of the tally man because the electronic voting was meant to come in. So they filmed the entire count and they hit the jackpot because they got the recounts. And there's a wonderful <laughs> photograph of Michal A as a young, uh, he was a 10 year old, and his head is buried in where we're looking for spoiled votes. And he's observing <laughs> everything you know, at the time. Uh, it's a fascinating, because like, I'm unaware of he's, uh, that he's wandering around City Hall as this very high tension um, recount. Yeah. The end, by the way, there was three recounts, I think, of, and uh, taught me more about uh, electoral proportional representation than I ever knew. Mm-hmm. And John Denny won that by five votes uh, in the end. And, and one famous counter who has since deceased, uh, Michael, uh, he came and he discovered, and in one bundle, there was 54 transfers from Deirdre Clune um, that were counted as 50. So if you're ever in a recount, it's the bundles are the key. The bundles are Absolutely, 50. yeah. 49, they can be 51, genuine error. Uh, and that tipped the scales in favour of John uh, on, on that occasion. But I'm sorry for digressing. It is. It's one of those things, though, you don't, you can study the system, but until you actually see it, you go, oh, God, like you don't. So, yeah, no, it is. It's, it's something you constantly learn. 
Um, so then being the leader of a major political party uh, could be seen as daunting. So do you find uh, that that to be true and what do you enjoy most about it? Well, when I took over the thing when I was elected, uh, I relished the challenge initially because I said we could come back. And, um, but it is daunting and uh, you, one needs a lot of endurance. But at the same time, I've never lost, I mean, it, it's the difficulty in Irish politics is with electoral, the PR system, you, you're on the ground and you're national and you're uh, in the dawn and so on. So you're, you're, you're juggling a lot um, and it's multi-layered. Um, but what I, what I enjoy the most from being leader of the party is witnessing and helping and nurturing new candidates through. I got a great kick out of the 2014 local elections. Mm. Uh, and it's interesting in the subsequent general election of the 24 elected, we, got, we won 24 new seats in 2016. I don't think any party has done that in a long time um, since the 20s or 30s, but 22 mm. of them were councillors. Some had been there before 2014, but quite a number of them were people we had nurtured in the 2014 election, you know, Mary Butler, uh, Lisa Chambers, um, and they came through very fast, you know. I mean, normally, you know, ordinarily to, uh, to get elected to Donald two years after you're elected to local election is not easy. Um, mm. But that, that kind of thing gives me a lot of pleasure. And again, then getting ready for last year's local elections. I like the idea, I like literally spotting the talent and saying, look, this person can go there, can get there. Um, and if we give them the support and what people may not realize today and over members may not realize because you're not used to a certain level of support from headquarters to candidates in terms of leaflets and we have a central printing mm. facility which we never had before central design facility all that came out of the 211 reflections that the party had gone sort of had lacked a national brand in terms of design and everything like that so mm. we give a lot more support and the reason was because young people get into <clears throat> expensive for them and it's difficult for them to get in and we wanted to ease that sense of you need a lot of money to go into politics well actually you don't for local politics you don't actually and your headquarters is there to support you um, and so we're there to help and support and nurture candidates to come through and it's wonderful to witness new candidates you know loud last year we had some very good young new candidates coming through in the local elections that's the essence of the future of the party. And I got particular pleasure out of last year's local elections because that was two successive local elections in a row where we added new people in addition to yes. the people we already had. Absolutely. And I suppose that's interesting. I think I saw a tweet there a couple of weeks ago and it said, um, you should never vote for someone who wants to be a politician. And I, and I was just like, there's this conception out there that it's horrible if people actually want to be a politician, they're somehow greedier. And it's just kind of like, you, I, I think you shouldn't do it unless you want to do it because it's very hard. So you really have to want to make that difference, you know? I would agree 100%. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be a politician. Mm -hmm. uh, politics, is, in essence, must be about trying to make a difference for the better. It must be trying to help your community. Uh, your city, county, and your country. And you can do that. Um, and um, we need more people to be interested in politics. And particularly in a time of crisis, because if you look at what's happening in America, uh, or looking even in, in, in Great Britain with the Brexit vote, things can suddenly go pear-shaped in a country mm. uh, when a crisis erupts. And we actually do need people who are committed to political life and committed to politics, in my view. Uh, stability is important in a society different opinions, uh, diversity of opinions is important in society. Um, but involvement in politics, to me, uh, is one of the most essential things in society. To, to keep the, it's a civilizing 
um, dimension which glues society together and avoids it breaking up. One of the overall fears I have in, in terms of the future is the growth of authoritarianism all over the world. The, the democracy is in retreat, even within the European Union. We, we can see what's happening in Hungary, we can see what's happening in Poland, um, and so parliamentary democracy is in retreat. So we need people to engage with politics. Absolutely. And I suppose uh, you've spent a, a, the majority of your life uh, representing people, um, and it ha it ha you've ha been through great times, difficult times uh, in that, and I suppose, why do you do what you do? Um, I think I, I, I like doing what I do is the first thing. I enjoy politics. I think if I didn't enjoy it, uh, I wouldn't be here. Um, I also have a great wish to change things all the time. It's a kind of persistent thing in me, and uh, I would also be strategic for the country. So there are things I still want to do. Um, and, you know, as we witness COVID at the moment and so on, you know, young people are getting, in my view, not getting a great deal in, in this. It's, it's no one's fault at this stage, but we must be very conscious of the fact that this year's leaving certs have had no leaving cert, mm. had no graduation class, they haven't had the wind down that we all had. They haven't had their normal summer that they could expect. Travel, for example, is now severely restricted. Children need to go back to school next September, and we've got, we've got to make that happen. Mm. And in a broader sense, notwithstanding COVID, there were issues around people, young people are able to get housing and health access to those, uh, as well as the existential issue of climate change, which is not gone away. And um, so, you know, we do need a government to achieve those things. And that's why I believe, you know, uh, for the vast majority of my political career, I've been in a party that's been in government uh, and that we got things done. Uh, mm. as a I was able to go to ministers uh, and, and, you know, both policy-wise and in terms of projects and get things done. As a minister myself, we were able to do great change in education, big change in health and so on, and, um, uh, and likewise in enterprise and foreign affairs. And so I, I understand the, the value and the good that can come from affirmative, positive action in government. And um, so that's what, you know, that, that motivates me. Uh, for example, just give you one area, special needs education. I would have been very involved in the late 90s on that. Again, too many parents are still not certain as to whether their child will have a place next September or not, uh, and they're not getting the level of support they should. That work annoys me, so I want to transform that experience for people with special needs. That's why I'd like to be in government, and that's what keeps me going. Absolutely. So I suppose then, um, in terms of your achievements, what stands out the most for you so far? Well, I think that, look, I don't like talking about achievements, you know, it's kind of maybe self-centred or whatever like that. But obviously, the three major areas, special needs education in 1988, 1998 as Minister of Education, we did groundbreaking uh, decisions in terms of giving, giving every child with a special needs um, pupil-teacher ratio for the first time. Hard to believe they didn't have a pupil-teacher ratio specific to special needs prior to 1998. We mainstreamed special needs education with SNAs and all of that. Research. Uh, we were first in the late 90s into the Department of Education to give research the priority it needed to major investment. The number one, obviously, I think is the smoking ban uh, introduced to prohibit passive smoking um, in the workplace. I didn't expect that it would take off to the degree that it did or that it would win and capture the imagination of people. Mm -hmm. And this day, if you want, what's the yardstick about judging issues like that? That is the one issue, no matter where <clears> I am, <throat> who will help me, who don't know me, 
and just say, thank you for the smoking ban. I've been meaning to do this for years if I ever came across here or something like that. And that's very gratifying. And um, you meet families of, uh, whose children were, had respiratory conditions, um, from asthma to cystic fibrosis. And you'd learn that they'd never, were ever in a hotel or prior to the smoking ban or in a pub because they simply couldn't take the risks with, 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 with smoke inhalation, mm -hmm. the damage it did to lungs and so on like that. So yeah, smoking ban. Perfect. So I suppose then as a politician, your career obviously, and then to some extent your personal life um, is played out um, in the public eye, in the media. Um, how difficult do you, have you found that? Do you find it? And I suppose, how do you overcome any negativity from the media or the public? Yeah, it's, um, it's difficult actually. And I think as party leader, I've become, particularly after coming through a general election and two general elections as a leader of the party, three mm. actually. Yeah. Um, you're much more well known than you thought you were. Politicians always make the mistake, especially in the early years when you're a young TD, you think everybody knows you. They don't. <laughs> when you're a minister, they don't all know you either. And my wife Mary worked in adult education uh, in her early years when she left the Fianna headquarters. She worked. She she worked in UCC, lecturing and stuff like that. But she would always come home saying. You know, 50% of the class today didn't know who their TDs were in Cockmouth Central. There's a, there's a reality check for you now, thinking that they all know who. It's a, we in politics think everybody is eating, breathing politics every day. They are not. Right. So, but I noticed since I became party leader, in any county I'm in, there's instant kind of recognition. But that's fine. I mean, that's positive in one sense. But for the family, as they get older, yeah, we, we've been very keen to try and protect the children the whole way up. And to be fair, the media um, have been very clear. Um, uh, I think they've, in Ireland anyway, we, we, we've had that sense of certain boundaries and, and, and media respect that. Uh, we've been very clear myself, Mary, that we, we didn't want to put them front and centre. Obviously, in latter years, they came out to vote with us. Um, and um, I think, you know, once we can keep that demarcation. Absolutely. And I suppose for anything, any kind of policy, any election result, as party leader, it's you are, you're, you know, you're the face of the party. Um, so anything that you've done um, has been looked at, has been scrutinised, and there can often be a blowback from the media or indeed from the public. So how, how, do, you, how do you deal with that? How do you find dealing with any negativity? Well, I'm kind of used to that. Um, but to be honest, uh, you do, I mean, we all get annoyed. We all will rail against so-and-so for writing that column or writing that article. But you've got to learn to live with that uh, and try and become more philosophical about it. You can't let it eat you up. You've got to really be, develop a thick skin and, mm. and separate the job if you can. As I said earlier, the family, they, they all in here, are into it now. It's very nice to find tell them to, <laughs> to get about it, you know? Yeah. Brilliant. So I suppose then, um, a lot of people in Ogre are going to be watching this interview. So I suppose, what would you say to any young person wanting to run for election or get involved in politics? Get involved in your community. Stay rooted in your community. Um, engage with the issues locally. Talk to people. Um, think of your network. Who do you know? You know who do you know in, in, in the constituency? And start working on that. To me, I, I'd say a simple thing. At one level, it's easy to get elected. Mm. It's hard work. 
networking, understanding what the target is objective in terms of how many votes you need. Um, at another level, it's difficult. I mean, it's like winning a championship in sport, you know, or winning a competition in sport. It's a long haul at one level, but the guidelines are there. You've got to train hard. You know, every team knows that. You've got to put in the hard, the, the, the mile in the winter uh, before you win in the summer championship. Um, and you've got to give it, give it everything you've got. Um, but if you understand that and you're prepared to do the hard work, because hard work intellectually isn't challenging in one way, but it, uh, and then you need to work out the issues. And people need to know why do you want to be elected to the city council? Why do you want to be elected? What do you want to do? Have that clear in your mind, what you want to do. Uh, policy, why, how you'd like the city to change, how you'd like your county to change, initiatives and towns and so on like that. Um, so you need to prepare. You can't rock up three months before a convention and say, I want to be um, a councillor. Mm. Uh, um, and I think you need to be rooted in, in, in the community and join your community associations, join your sporting clubs and um, knock on doors. Absolutely, yeah. And I suppose when you talk about knocking on doors there, you've been doing it uh, for far longer, certainly than I have or most members, members have. So uh, we all have those nice kind of stories from the canvas trail. So was there anyone in particular that kind of springs to mind? A lovely encounter I had in, I think it was 2012, 13, when things were at low ebb. And as you know, I was out canvassing with, I think it was with Paul McAuliffe that night, and Paul was going for council and things like that, and we're building up the base, literally. Mm. Uh, I was knocking, I was doing a hell of a lot of door knocking that time. I remember being brought into a house, into the kitchen. I keep saying to candidates, and you're brought into the kitchen, go in, because you really have that family subsequently. Uh, but the, the husband said to the wife, you tell him. And I was like a priest, and they were like confessing to me. And she said, Mr. Martin, it's great to see you. It's in Dublin, Northwest, I think. We have a confession to make. Uh, we didn't vote. For, we voted for you to follow all our lines, but we didn't vote for you in the last occasion. Uh, but we're going to vote for you now uh, from no one again. And like I kind of absolved them of their sins. <laughs> 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 I remember coming home saying to the gang, "We're back. We're back. We're back." <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and I suppose we're we're a hundred and one days now after uh, the general election. Um, and I think. For me, it was a long, for all of us, it was a long campaign. It was one of those things that you know it's coming, but then it was kind of, just kind of lumped on everyone. Um, but an incredible image uh, from that for me was the photo of you uh, finishing out the campaign uh, at, your, at the house you grew up in, in Cork. Yeah. Um, and I suppose, it, for me, it just kind of epitomised um, the kind of country that we live in and that you're not defined by where you come from or how much your parents make or anything like that and you can become the leader of a major major political party you can do whatever you want to do so I suppose for you can you talk to us about what that moment was like for you going back to where it began essentially yeah it was a very emotional um, moment because um, I'm very fond of Turner's Cross uh, that particular street we would have played soccer there and all the rest of it and you know, my parents were humble people, but um, to them, they were, the, to me, sorry, they were the, the reason I am where I am. I mean, they, they, they just wanted us to have an education that was their passion. Um, and in many ways, they represented that kind of aspiring working class that Fianna Fáil gave their opportunity to. And the Donamadi Free Education Initiative, in, in, un, unknown to everyone, I suppose, at the time, or, you know, 
when you look back on it, they spawned a whole new generation of people like myself, who was a secondary school founded in the late 60s in Turner's Cross College, Free Street, great school, um, Art Dun O'Malley's free second level education scheme. We seen the league win there, the presentation brothers were, were founded at school, the locals put a few bob into it. We get our education, the world is opening up in the, in, in the 60s and, and early 70s, and that to me is one of the great legacies um, that Fianna Fáil bestowed upon the country. And it was the engine for the subsequent economic development. So my father was a bus driver. Um, he, you know, they, they, but they believed in their country and they believed in education. And so, it, look, it was, it was a nice moment. Uh, my sister lives there, uh, still in that house. Uh, and uh, my office is up the road on Evergreen Road, the Turner's Cross. So I have a strong emotional affinity with the parish. Uh, and of course, Nima Rangers Club is of the parish. You know, my mother was born, reared, and died in the parish. My father was an artist. So it's, yeah, it's close. It's it's um, it's it's part of my very being, really. You know? Absolutely, yeah. No, I thought I thought it was really nice and 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 fair play to you for sharing it as well, because you know, it's like you say, it's hard to put that divide between the political and the personal. But it's nice to see those moments and for its voters to see that as well. Ah, yeah, I mean, and, um, you know, we, we had great times there, by the way, you know, and uh, mm. it was, um, I often think of the 60s, when we were, I was born in the 60s, and uh, if you ever read Roddy Doyle's Paddy Clark Ha Ha Ha, which is a verb, which it, it's a version of Dublin suburban life or urban life in the probably 70s, early 70s, late 60s, we had a carbon copy experience in that part of the world, you know, um, lots of children, probably not as much traffic. On average, five kids a house, maybe nine kids a house. Think about it. You know, it's so differently now to yeah. to and um, everybody depending on each other. Um, uh, and it was a different society at the time, but it was a very close knit society. Um, and with it's interesting, sport being the glue again in, in a society like that, and that kind of knitted everybody together. Absolutely. So I suppose then you're in uh, obviously government formation negotiations are ongoing. Um, the COVID crisis, there's a lot, a lot going on at the minute. Uh, so I'm sure spare time is not easy to come by. But when you do, uh, what do you do to relax? I, I think I heard through the grapevine, you've been catching up on normal people. So, uh, Yeah, yeah, great show. Great, great show. Uh, great acting um, and um, great story. Um, I'm doing a lot more reading since COVID because we're not out every night. You know, we don't have dinners to go to the dances and all the rest of it. Um, so um, doing a lot more reading and um, walking, um, but doing a lot of talking as well. Uh, Zoom is, is a new yeah. feature of ours. Um, and we're meeting a lot of delegations and groups and so on like that through Zoom and, and having representations made in, in, in relation to their issues and their concerns about the future. Um, and um, so it's, it's, it's a very difficult time for many, many people out there. Uh, and people mm -hmm. are worried about the next number of months and the next year in terms of their enterprises, in terms of their jobs, and in terms of their health. So it really is a time for politicians, in my view, to, to, to do what's right by the country. Um, and we, 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 have a, we have very significant challenges ahead of us. Uh, and I think we have to, uh, I think, I remember Brian Cowan saying to a number of party members in 2010, 2011, people wanted him to go and have an election. And he said, look, this isn't about the party, it's about the country. Mm. Uh, 
And that's ultimately what politics is about, you know. And I, I just got the sense, even from yesterday, I, I was in calls with different sectors of society and the economy, and they're worried. And there's lots mm. and lots of challenges coming down. We can't shirk those challenges. In Absolutely. Your view. absolutely. No, you're, you're absolutely right. So now that's the end of the hard, in-depth questions, you'll be happy to know. So we just have our uh, quick-fire questions now. So I yeah. hope you're ready for those. I think I am, yeah. yeah. Okay, so Michal, Barry or Barry's or Lions tea? Well, Barry's tea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you have to say that legally if you're from Cork. <laughs> Green tea man as well, you know. <laughs> well, that's that's a fair point as well. Um, a politician from another party that you admire? Not just because of the moment, but Eamon Ryan. <laughs> Very good. Your favourite place, and you cannot say Cork. Um, Corkaguina, uh, the Dingle Peninsula. Um, it's a magical place. Brilliant. And then, if you were going to try and make someone laugh, how would you go about that? I actually used to be a very good imitator. And then in school, I could take off most of the teachers in second school. So, if we had a free class or anything, I'd go up to the top of the class and I would take off the teachers and imitate them. And people enjoy that. How did so that go down? <laughs> Well, actually, one teacher one time spotted it and uh, did nothing, just watched in fascination. And he wasn't the teacher in the class, it was a free class, and he just wandered off. We were in the prefab in the yard, and he just said to another teacher, there's a great spirit in that class, leave them alone. <laughs> Good educator. <Yeah. laughs> and, and what do you think of uh, the impressions that are done of you, Mario Rosenstock, and um, a couple of the others? He's good on me. He hasn't done me for a long time, but I think, yeah. And Oliver Callan. Yeah. Hines, yeah, he does a good, good enough one as well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Right, and the last one, who would you like? Sorry. He does a very good Willie O'Dea. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. And finally, who would you like to play you in a film about your life? Killian uh, Murphy. Okay, very good. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, right, no. okay. Thanks. So that has been um, me, Hall Martin, in our overing conversation with. So thank you very much for taking the time to sit down, and we will see you soon when the when the uh, restrictions are lifted. Absolutely, Darja. Take care.